Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we are going to be talking about revival. Yeah, at least uh, while we're recording this, the revival on the campus of Asbury University is still going on. Yeah, which is sweeping the nation by storm as far as media goes. Everybody's well, talking about this thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, for good, for bad, whatever. Yeah. But we want to, and that's kind of what we're going to talk we about. We want to talk about it. We want to say, hey, what is this? What's going on? Uh, there's a lot of opinions, and I think that's good. And uh, we're going to dig into that. But first, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right, Randy. So we're talking about Asbury College. We're talking about the revival currently taking place there. And that's pretty interesting because you went to Asbury College, did you not? I did. I went to Asbury College as a large uh, largely because of the the first revival that really? took place there in 1970. Yeah, I went there in 71. Oh, oh, wow! So, like, right after. Um, what happened is a friend of mine, uh, actually someone who led a um, uh, 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 chorus and traveled around to uh, different churches uh, while I was a, a teen, went to Asbury College. And came back and uh, told us about the revival, brought somebody with him who spoke in my dad's church. And uh, it was just a a very, very uh, meaningful time for me. I had applied to two colleges. And as a result of that, I said, okay, Asbury's the one. I think that's super cool. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know about Asbury College until I heard you talk about it. Yeah. Um, because while I grew up in church world, um, there's, there's, there's nooks and crannies of Christianity that never get discussed, even amongst people in the church. Well, and Asbury is not all that big of a school. It's, uh, when I went there and even today, it's around 1,200 students. Okay. So, yeah, not huge, uh, at all. That's like the size of my high school, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. 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 Um, but there is something, pretty wild going on there right now. And that is what people are calling a revival. It's interesting. You you uh, look for the word revival in the Bible, you're not going to find it. Right. The Bible does not talk about revivals. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about Trinity either. Right. But it's there. <laughs> right. You've right. just got to see it. Um, 
If, however, you look at church history, you see a number of things that we could call revival. We've started calling them revivals in the 20th century. Uh, they were first called awakenings. See, okay, so that, that language gets a little dicey for me, right? Because a revival means you're bringing something that once was alive back to life. Yeah. You're, you're resuscitating something. Right. Yes. Awakening sounds like, I don't know, like, like it's never been awake, maybe. I don't know. It sounds more like for the first time kind of thing. Yeah. Or maybe, I guess you could go the route of like, it's fallen asleep and now it needs to wake back up. Do you, um, do you want to talk about the different awakenings slash revivals? That there's been in the church over the last couple of hundred years? Absolutely. Okay. I'm good with that. So we start with uh, what's called the First Great Awakening that was started in England and it spread to the colonies, to America. It would have been 1730s, 1740s. Saw people like George Whitfield, one of the main uh, uh, major speakers. This would have been around the time of like John Wesley, George Whitfield. John Wesley is actually part of the first great awakening. He would have been at the tail end of it. And in the middle of it, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, would have been kind of like one of the American preachers, uh, Got it. That, that was there. And this is all happening how long after the, the, um, the Reformation? The Protestant Reformation. Uh, this would have been about 200 years after. Okay. Yeah. So this uh, is like 1700? Yeah, 1730, okay. 1740. Now, <clears throat> I read a book called The Secularization of Europe uh, by a fellow by the name of MacLeod. And uh, he makes the point that uh, in uh, – who was it that wrote The Tale of Two Cities? Uh, uh, the Christmas Carol. Uh, uh, oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Charles Dickens. Dickens. Charles Dickens. So the idea of the tale of two cities is, uh, he traces the similarities between Paris and London. But at that time, Paris goes down a very different route from London. In Paris, it ends in the reign of terror. Uh, they take their leaders out. They, they behead them with guillotines. It's kind of headed down the same path in London. But the Great Awakening takes place. And MacLeod says basically because of the Great Awakening, you don't have the excesses that you see in France. Instead, uh, England kind of reforms. And instead of the reign of terror, you have the Industrial Revolution. So it's not just a revival in the church, but the impact in society is huge. And you tend to see that every time this takes place. Second Great Awakening takes place uh, in the States from 1820 to 1850. This is pre-Civil War. A major figure here is Charles Finney. Uh, Finney actually begins, he, he holds crusades. He uh, goes around, he speaks to churches. A lot of people come to the Lord out of the Second Great Awakening, you get things like the temperance movement. You get the abolitionist movement. Now, uh, uh, the U.S. begins to look at slavery and say, this is wrong. We need to do something about it. Underground railroads form. You get the formation of organizations like the YMCA, hmm. which originally... 
it was kind of a revival organization. It was an organization that was dedicated to spreading Christianity among young men and young women, YMCA, YWCA. I hear it's fun to stay there. <laughs> Where? Is that At the YMCA? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to derail this whole thing because I have to be fun for a second. Uh, so me and Abby started going to the YMCA recently. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm terrible at working out. I hate it. It's the worst, but I have to. Because if only you had a catchy tune to sing while you were yeah, there. Right. And so we're there and like, it's my first time ever being in one and we're walking around and I'm like, yeah, I really like it. She's like, yeah, what do you think? You know, you like everything? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's great. I said, I'm just trying to figure out like, I didn't see anywhere to have a good meal. And she's like, what? And I said, well, there's nowhere to have a good meal. Like, isn't there supposed to be a place to have a good meal? And she's like, well, there used to be a cafeteria. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And she was like, why are you so honest? I was like, well, you can get yourself clean. Did you actually have to sing it? You can have a good meal. You can do whatever you feel. She's like, shut up. Shut up. Like it didn't click for it. So but this grew out of a revival movement. That, yeah. The, the second great awakening. Now there were, there were smaller revivals in 1859 in Ulster, in Ireland, in, in uh, Wales. Uh, there were smaller revivals. The third great awakening takes place after the Civil War. That would have been 1875 to 1885. And you get people like D.L. Moody. You get William Booth. And uh, although the Salvation Army was probably formed as a result of the Second Great Awakening, it really comes into its own in the Third Great Awakening with William Booth. Uh, Moody and Booth were major figures, uh, uh, speakers, and uh, literally thousands and tens of thousands of people were coming to the Lord. Okay. 1904, you get another Wales revival. Then in the early 1900s, 1906 to about 1915, you get the Azusa Street revival. That one's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. That's the beginning of Pentecostalism. It was interesting. Church of God Anderson had a lot of influence over the beginning of the Azusa Street revival. Azusa Street is... uh course in los angeles so that's kind of the center of what took place when you say anderson what do you mean anderson indiana really church of god anderson yeah huh it's a major denomination they distinguish themselves from the other church of god because their basis is in anderson interesting yeah okay yeah um that was kind of the formation of the pentecostal movement then you get other 20th century revivals, and this one, it's it's a little bit more generic. It lasts for maybe 30, 40, even 50 years. You get main speakers like Billy Sunday. Now, here in Indiana, again, you go to Winona Lake, and uh, you can visit the, uh, uh, the Sawdust Trail, uh, their tabernacle up there. They still put sawdust in the aisles, and that was the sawdust trail. Billy Sunday uh, would have been one of the main speakers there. And again, hundreds and thousands of people come to the Lord. Then Billy Graham 
and you get the whole Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, the, the Crusades. Crusades. That's what I've been thinking this whole time when you were talking about all these thousands of people you yeah. know, come to God. Like that's the closest visual that I have for it. Well, that's kind of recognized uh, as a main revival movement. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Uh, the the Billy Graham thing. Um, out of that, you get organizations like World Vision that are still out today, and they're not primarily an evangelistic organization. They are a social concern and care organization. Samaritan's Purse by Franklin Graham, uh, Billy's son. Uh, all of that, what I'm trying to say is that revivals had their... Uh, uh, had their influence in society. Things began to take place in uh, societies throughout the world as a result of a spiritual deepening. So the mark of a true revival is if it bleeds over into the secular world as well. I would say, yeah. I would say a true revival is not just church-oriented. Now, it's because of that some people would consider the Jesus movement of the 60s up to about the mid-70s as a revival. There were certainly a number of people who came to the Lord. Um, things happened, but it's hard to put your finger on social impact from the Jesus movement. Mm. Now, you do have the formation of the Christian music uh, industry, but uh, <laughs> that... Yeah, that that's not exactly a social movement. 
Yeah, you know I've got my opinions on the Christian music industry. Right, it's not all right, bad. Right. It's oh, just no, not all good no, either. No, right. That's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people use it for their own purposes. Right, which is where it gets really gross. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just really interesting. Um, you know, people have been praying for a revival for a long, long time. And uh, within the church, of course. I mean, Christians praying for revival. And now we've got this thing happening. Yeah. It started last Wednesday and it's still going. Yeah. 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 And people are just meeting. I mean, let's, let's talk so about what, what they're doing. what have you understood? What is going on there? Yeah. Uh, here, let me read a little bit of an article uh, okay. from the Lexington Herald Leader. So this is not a Christian newspaper from my understanding. This is oh, just – no. Yeah, it's just a, a Lexington, Kentucky newspaper. This is the main <laughs> newspaper in Lexington. So um, basically, this thing is going 24 hours a day. It says the faithful and the curious have flooded into Wilmore from around the state and the nation to be part of the experience. It's not winding down, said Craig Keener, a widely regarded biblical studies scholar at Asbury Theological Seminary, which is across the street from the university. Uh, people have been praying for it for years, he said. I was hoping it would happen before I retired. Um, goes on to emphasize that he wasn't involved with the revival's outbreak and isn't a leader of the ongoing events, but he's attended services at the university multiple days. He said it started with the students. I think they're the most important component. Basically, what you're seeing is people are gathering in prayer and worship, and there are some sermons, um, but this uh what's well, uh, this past saturday february 11th a thousand people roughly took the lord's supper together um everything i've read is just kind of people saying hey this is a time to be humble and come together and just praise god and pray and worship him in in song and i guess there have been a you know some people giving standing up and giving testimonies telling stories uh repenting telling people what you know sins they've committed and turning away from them and i think all that's awesome I think that's great that that's happening, but I'm seeing a lot of people on both sides. I was actually just listening to, uh, is it John Cooper from Skillet? I don't know. Cooper Stuff podcast. I think his first name is John, but Cooper from, from Skillet. And he, um, he's got his own podcast and he was talking about this and he was like, look, I'm no expert on revival. He's like, but here's kind of what I'm seeing. And he, he, I think he spelled it out well. He was talking about how there's, there's kind of two camps on this thing. There's the people that are like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then there's the people going, this is dangerous. Stay away from it. Right. And it's like, it's kind of. Truth is somewhere in the middle. You got to be nuanced <laughs> in this thing. Yeah. You like, I, I guess my major fear through this whole thing is that people are going to idolize it. Yeah. Yeah. That um, I keep hearing people talk about what's happening at Asbury and they're talking about like they need to go there to right. experience something. Right. And it's like, that's not how this works. Like, Jesus can work in you right now exactly where you are. Sure. And if people would just yearn for healing, yearn for God to work through them, I believe revival can outbreak anytime, anywhere. What if, one of the things that I think is going on that he didn't mention is confession. 
uh, a lot I, look, of... I, I read a paragraph oh, sure, very sure, long. Sure, yeah, he may have gotten uh, that. Yeah, uh, uh, a lot of what is taking place, I believe, in Asbury, at least in 1970, and I suspect it's also taking place today, is confession. Now, confession is something that it's much harder to just do that in your own home sitting in your rocking chair. Uh, confession to a body of both what you have done, what you're changing, and uh, what the Lord has done in you is something that uh, it does tend to take place in a corporate setting. But it doesn't have to be in Wilmore, Kentucky. Right. It can be any place uh, wherever two or three are gathered. So you think confession needs to take place to a body? In a revival, I think one of the characteristics is confession. Okay, so you're, you're where saying where confession that's... takes place in a body, uh, and that certainly is biblical, right? I was just going to go the route of like I don't think that confession has to take place in that setting, but that the point of confession is that you do it to one another for healing, yeah. um, because I would argue it's not good to confess your sins to just anybody that claims they're a Christian. Oh, I agree. Because some people can hold it over you and hurt you with it. Um, that's why you want to be kind of careful about, you know, who you confide in and yeah. grow with, you know. Um, but I, I think that the thing that um, all these people – yeah, sorry, back, back to the Cooper comment. Um, he was saying some people are all for this. Some people are very against it. Right. And the people that are against it are against it because they think that this is just – a fad, or they see the people that are going to it. Is and they it that don't they're like against it. it, or they're just wary of what it might happen? Well, I think it's everywhere in between. I think okay. this is definitely a spectrum of of people. Like we can't just put you know human brains into right. you know black and white camps. It's 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 a lot of gray. Um, but I I think there have been some maybe more charismatic teachers th showing up at this thing or like, you know, Francis Chan or not to say Francis Chan is charismatic. He's, you know, a little charismatic sure. for sure. But I think Todd White went and a lot of people have had a problem with that because a lot of people don't like Todd White. Um, but like something I liked that Cooper brought up was he was saying, you know, don't just because somebody's there that you don't like doesn't mean this whole thing is discounted. Right. That doesn't mean this isn't real. Um, and I, I think that's very wise. I think that's really a, a good way of looking at it. Um, but his other point was, you know, we do need to wake up and we do need to see lasting change yeah. come out of this. Yeah. And everybody I've listed, I've, I've heard him talk about this. I've heard, uh, Ruslan talk about this. I heard, uh, um, Elisa Childers talk about this. Uh, a lot of people have been kind of throwing their two cents in on this. Uh, big influential people right now in the Christian world. And the most common strain I'm hearing, and I think it's so wise, is we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what this yeah. is, what yeah. this was. Like, if no lasting change comes out of this, if, if, if society isn't impacted by this, well, then I don't know that we can call it a revival. Maybe it was a really cool church service that went on for a really long time. And, and for some people, maybe it was really beneficial. But we'll see if this is something that awakens the hearts of believers in this nation. Well, there's another thing. Uh, uh, the 70 revival 
Um, I wouldn't say that there was a long-lasting impact in American society uh, because of the Asbury Revival. There was uh, a movement in many churches. Many individuals were deeply moved and their lives changed. I'm one of them. Uh, I didn't go to the revival. I didn't attend it. But I would say my presence at Asbury and what took place after that was uh, a direct impact of the of the Asbury revival. So maybe I should say less that, you know, that this is all of society coming to know God. I'm not saying that. But that if this is revival, it should stoke a fire in the church. It should stoke a revival in the church. It should light a fire under many uh, individuals yeah. within the church. Um, having said that, uh, First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, Third Great Awakening, there were social movements that came as a result of that. Now, the more you move into the 20th century, the less uh, you see at least American society being impacted. However, who's to say that some of what's going on in the world is not similar types of revivals? Uh, I've mentioned my time in Colombia. Uh, in Colombia, when I got there in 1978, uh, Colombia was about one half of 1% Christian. When I left in 94, it was about 10% Christian. That is a massive movement. Who's to say that that wasn't really a revival that took place? Now, there weren't main speakers. Uh, there were certain key figures uh, that uh, uh, they had influence and, and uh, were able to lead people. Uh, in a certain way, Hector Pardo and Jaime Ortiz and uh, people like that, people whose names are not well known outside of Colombia, uh, even inside of Colombia, some of them would not be that well known. But they were strong in the evangelical church and helped guide the church to a good, solid, healthy growth during that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the mark of if this is the real deal. And honestly, here's the deal. I think it probably is the real deal. There's nothing sensationalist going on with this thing that I have right. that I have noticed. Right. And that's what I really think you have to be super careful of with this stuff is a lot of the time it gets overly sensationalized. And when you see big, you know, big movements like this generally within like ultra charismatic, like I, I'll, I'll, I forget who I'm quoting here, but charismania circles. Um, cause, <laughs> cause there's nothing wrong with charismatic. People like there's nothing wrong with the charismatic church. It's when it crosses that line into it's all about the miracles. It's all right. about the signs. It's right. all about the wonders. It's not about repentance and right. it's not about, right. you know, right. these kids are putting all their emphasis on just getting right with Jesus. One of the things that tends to make me believe that this is a, a legit thing is that there is not an individual that people are pointing to and saying, I don't, I don't even know who the speaker in chapel was. Uh, I, I saw it. I okay. don't know. He, I think it was just a like a student from campus or like a campus pastor I, role because I had no idea who he was. Yeah. But do you know what he prayed what? right at the very end? He said, what? God, awaken our hearts. Wow. That's, that's what – and I was like, ooh, that's a little wild. What you do see is it points to Jesus though. Yeah. Uh, uh, the movement, the worship, the prayer, the confession. It's people saying I'm getting right with Jesus. 
So you know what this reminds me of? I'm thinking about this maybe in some abstract terms, but so what we're seeing here, we look at it and we're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. They're going to church every single day. <laughs> every minute. Every, every minute day. of every day. Well, but but not everybody is. They're coming in when they can. Right. Right. Yeah. They're filtering right. in and out. Yeah. It's not like people have just been there posted up. For days at a time. Now, the school has canceled classes right. so that classes won't get in the way of what God is doing. Right. But Acts 2, 42 through 47, <laughs> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm just seeing a bunch of people doing church down at Asbury. I mean, when you compare that to what the early believers right. are doing, right. they're meeting every day and yeah. they're worshiping together yeah. Yeah. and they're eating together and they're praising God together. There was a dude stood up on stage at Asbury. I think it might've been yesterday and he was praying for a miracle that he find a job because he needs his, he needs a job for, I think it was for his degree or whatever. And, but at the moment he's jobless and he was just saying, you know, just pray for me or whatever. People just started throwing money from the balcony and from the crowd onto the stage and they they gave him like thousands of dollars on the oh spot. Goodness. How is that different than this? Like yeah, and, really? And, yeah. and like that's real. That's good. That's like that's helping people out when they need it. Now, I mean thousands of dollars. That's crazy. But it's cool. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um I I don't know. I guess I'm saying like I we look at this and we're like, oh my gosh, this is like some abstract crazy thing that only happens every once in a while. And I'm kind of going, I don't know, is this just kind of what church used to be like? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and maybe maybe a little – this is a little overly emphasized because it's – you know, like you said, they're canceling class and everything. Like, you know, you got to go to work. You got to, sure, 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 sure. you got to do all that stuff. But and they'll like, come back. They'll start class again because people do want a degree. <laughs> right. But I mean, could you imagine what would happen if this thing just didn't stop? If they just kept meeting every day in the chapel Yeah. and, and somebody's there all the time to keep it moving. Yeah. It's not the same people. Everybody's got to go to work. Everybody, but then you come back the next day when you can, like, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, there, I, I do, I really, I really hope this is something and I feel like it is Yeah. like the first moment I, I talked about it, I saw about it. It didn't feel like something sketchy. It didn't feel fake. And I've got high walls up for that stuff. Like right. I'm shooting down right, things right, right. left and right that I see on the internet. I didn't feel the need to do that with this. This seems good. Yeah. And, you know, and again, we'll I think a large reason for that is because it so clearly points to Jesus. Right. Yeah. I think about in scripture, I, I was trying to find the story. Maybe you can tell me where it's at, but it's when the Jews stand up and they read the Pentateuch, they read like the Torah, like for like two days straight, or maybe it's like a. Oh, yeah, Ezra. Is that Ezra? Yeah. yeah. It, but that's like or a, Nehemiah that's like a revival moment though, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. And one of the things that they do is they stop in the middle of it when they read on such and such a day, uh, you should have this festival. They stop and they say, that's the day. 
Hmm. And they suspend the reading and they go out and they celebrate the festival. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that like that's that's what this kind of thing feels like to me. Like it's just getting back to the roots, getting back to what matters and remembering it. Yeah. And you know what? I hope I hope we see this happening throughout multiple churches. Like, why is everybody gotta be going to Asbury? Like, why huh. can't we just see this massive like call for repentance and reform and like confession, like singing and worshiping in ways we just haven't. Right. You know, like why can't there be that in your local church? And I'm not saying go try to start a revival. That's not how this works. Like God's going to do it or he's not, but it takes willing vessels too. Right. Yes, yes, yes. We can't manufacture this. No. But we sure as shooting can stop it. Right. I, now, now I do believe you can manufacture it, and that's bad. Uh, you can manufacture a facsimile. Of right. It, yeah. Bethel Church does it all the time. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Go listen to Mike Winger's last podcast on Bethel Church, y'all. That's all I'm saying. We've tried to do like three podcasts on Bethel Church, and we trash we everyone because I get too worked up not. in the middle of it. Mike Winger did it with humility and kindness, and he did it well. Go listen to his. It's everything I wish I could say in a kind way. Um, go check that out, please. But yeah, like we cannot force God's hand. One of the characteristics, I think, of the of the revivals through the ages is that they are kind of free form. They're not programmed. They're not planned. And once they begin to take place, you really don't uh, schedule them. You don't say, okay, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. The spirit just moves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think about Jonah. It's a little different. It's a, It's different. Yeah. I mean, Jonah is told to go to Nineveh. Right. And essentially, I mean, he, he's to call Nineveh to repentance, to say, turn away from your evil and turn to God, right? <laughs> now, Nineveh has not been a Christian nation. Oh, not at all. So that's what makes it very different from what we're talking about here. But Jonah goes, he goes, hey, God says turn from all your evil. So what do they do? They, they immediately do. <laughs> repent of all their evil. They're covering their animals they in fast. sackcloth. Yeah. They fast. The animals are repenting. Well, I mean, like symbolically yeah, repenting. Right, right, like right. everybody is repenting. The king is down sitting in the ash on the floor <laughs> repenting. Like what? that is revival. Like yeah. that is what I'm talking about. Like that's awesome. Let's see that. I want to see that. I want to see this thing grow. And I hope this thing is so legit, man, because we're due. Like our country's in a bad place. Now, one of the things that Asbury did uh, from 71 to mid 70s, 75 or so, uh, and I took place in several of them, they sent student uh, ministry teams to go to different churches. Churches would invite them and you'd, they'd go up and they were wanting to hear about the revival and hear about the, uh, you know, in 1972 and 1973, about the good old days of 1970 when the revival was there. But what the ministries team, ministry teams typically would do is they would go, they would speak on a Sunday morning at usually a Methodist church since about 80% of the students at Asbury are Methodist. Uh, they would go and they would share and sometimes it would start a small movement, but it wouldn't take the form of the revival in the seventies 
people didn't stop going to work and just continue there. But, you know, sometimes the uh, 10.30 to 11.30 service might spill over until 12.15 or 12.30, and uh, there would be some free-form elements of it, people standing up and confessing, giving testimony. It was great. Um, I think part, sorry, so I, I've got a hammer on the, the kind of the need for this a little bit, I think. Um, whenever you see revival throughout scripture, whenever you see the call for revival, whenever you, like, for instance, like when God's talking to Israel in Exodus and he's talking about, you know, you'll be my people and I'll be your God and I'll protect you and nobody will be able to raise a sword against you. And, you know, one of you will chase away 10 and 10 of you will chase away a hundred and a hundred will chase away a thousand. And like, you'll never be hungry. You'll always have crops and all that. But then he's like, but if you cross me, he's like, you turn away from me, then he says like the, the sky above you will be like iron. Like it'll crush you. You'll be crushed beneath the weight of the sky. Like that's the one that always sticks out to me because when the sky is crushing you, things have gotten bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but I mean, he's just talking about how I'm going to hand you over to, to the worst of what you've brought on yourselves. I'm going to let you have it. And he says, but if you turn from your sin and you confess your sins to me and you cry out to me, then I will remember the promise that I made to your ancestors and I will honor it and I will save you. That's what we see. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of the Bible or the Old Testament in particular, Israel gets real tight with God. Everything's good. They get comfy. They start falling away. They start yep. worshiping other gods and goddesses. They start bringing in all these foreign traditions and customs. And then they just start sinning and it's debauchery and it's awful. And so then God hands them over to the enemy. Then they get invaded by some nation. They come in, turn them into slaves. Then Israel cries out to God in a moment of revival right. and says, God, please, we turn from our sins. We need you to save us. And God does save them, right? And that happens over and over and over again. It's just this up, down, up, down, up, down throughout the Old Testament. That's all the books of the prophets. Yeah. Every time you get to a new prophet, it's like, oh, we hit a low again, didn't we? Like every single time. And so when I'm looking at this and I'm seeing how much of a longing there is in people today for revival, that points you to the fact that we have fallen far from God. Yeah. As a culture, as a society, as the many nations of this world, we have fallen far from God. Very definitely. And the reason people care about this right now is because they know we've got to come back to him. Yeah. That's what I mean, if 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 this all blows over and nothing bigger takes place in the church, if there's one takeaway from all this, it's that people desire coming back to God. Yes. They know they have to. There's something in us that knows we've got to come back to him and cry out and confess. Yeah. There's your doom and gloom. One of the <laughs> <laughs> one of the characteristics, and and I'm not sure exactly why this is the way it is, but colleges play an awful big part in a lot of the revivals. Yale University. 1802, there was a huge revival. This is just before the Second Great Awakening. 1950, you have a big revival at Wheaton College. You have the revival at Asbury in the 70s, one taking place today. 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that there are students, young people. Young people are less tied to tradition. That could be part of it. Young people are are maybe more sensitive, more seeking. Uh, old people tend to be more comfortable jaded. in their Christianity and jaded yeah. in their Christianity. Been, been kicked around by the world one too many times. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Seems a little less likely for something for a revival. The younger you are, the less of that you got. Yeah. Generally, yeah. not always. Very I mean, true. We're lucky to have that in this part of the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a fearlessness in being a little younger because you're stupider and you're <laughs> you're ready to just do whatever it takes. More willing to take chances. Yeah. yeah and, and sometimes being, you know, a little ignorant of the consequences is okay. You know, like if, if it's a whole lot harder for an adult to just be like, I'm just going to go do this day after day. Like, Versus, hey, um, we just canceled all your classes, so you have nothing better to do. You should go to the chapel and worship. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It is a, it's kind of its own little bubble world. And I'll tell you what, on Asbury's campus, 12, 1300 students, I bet that there is a significant number that are just ignoring this. They're, they're, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. They're just taking time off of classes and sitting in their rooms playing video games or whatever. Uh, it's bound to be taking place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, okay. So, I mean, with all that said, you know, we've covered a lot and I, I don't want to just like talk about this till we're blue in the face. So I guess my question to you is like, what, what is your major takeaway from all this? Hmm. I think my major takeaway is, uh, man, we need God. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is going on in Asbury uh, right now, by the time you listen to this, maybe last week, uh, what what's going on, what went on, is the result of people looking to God and saying, I need you. And they are right. And we can keep doing that. We can do that for ourselves. We can do that in our churches. We can do that in the in the small communities that we form a part of. It, it takes being a willing participant. Yeah. Uh, so we just watched. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so Mike Wigan, uh, I think by the time you hear this, we'll be on this podcast next week. So tune in for that. We're going to talk about, the church and and how we need to to grow as the church, not just a bunch of little churches. It's right. going to be a really great episode. Um, but uh, talking with Mike a couple weeks ago, he showed us a video because he was talking about how change starts, and it's this video of this guy at some like EDM music festival, and it's this guy, and I think he's like shirtless, and he's just dancing like an idiot. He's up, he's dancing and he's got no idea what he's doing and he looks stupid and everybody's just kind of making fun of him, but somebody's filming him. And then all of a sudden, some other guy stands up and starts dancing like an idiot too. <laughs> and Mike's like, see, like the first guy, he's the innovator. He's cool. That's great. But the second guy, he's the one that starts the he's movement. The early adopter. He's the guy that sparks this fire. And then all of a sudden the third guy stands up and now there's three of them and they're all dancing like idiots. But all of a sudden now there's 10 of them. <laughs> like it's like five more people, six more people stand up out of nowhere within three or four minutes. There's like a thousand people all just dancing, flailing their arms. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. That's what, 
that's what sparks a revival is is it's not the first person that's willing to sit up there yeah. and and pray down on their knees and confess and sing with their hands raised it's the second person yeah. that's willing to stand up there and confess and and praise and then it's the third person and then soon it just snowballs but like don't be afraid one to be the first person but almost even a little more crucially to be the second person yeah you know, it's easy to see that one guy doing the thing we all know is the right thing to do. Right. But then we're like, ooh, everybody's judging him. So I'm not going to go do it too. Right. And it's like, right, right, right. But no, no, no. Maybe you need to go do it. Yeah. Maybe you need to be the number. I don't want to say the number two. That's bad. You don't want to. <laughs> it's a terrible way of phrasing it. You need to be the second guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we got to be, we got to be a little more fearless. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other takeaways is uh, – now, it doesn't come from this. It comes from our conversation here. This is not something you can manufacture. You can't say, okay, gee, let's go have a revival. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the other thing to take from this is like Randy and I are not experts on revivals. Like we, <laughs> I've never been a part of one. Like – but I I know what I see in the Bible and – it's a mass call for repentance and life change and recognizing that God is – he's in charge. He's yeah. the guy and that we're going to submit to him. Um, I know there's a need for that. I know we we have to have Boys that. Boys there ever, yeah. And so listen, like, like we've kind of said a million times at this point, if nothing else comes of this, understand that something's got to happen. And it starts with you, whoever's listening to this, and me, and Randy, <laughs> and and everybody else listening. It starts with us. It starts with us, whoever whoever us is. But um, yeah, it starts with the people of God doing something different. Yeah, yeah. It starts with a thirst for change. Yeah, but I think this is showing how thirsty people are. Yeah. Look at the look at the media. They're eating this look up. They're doing yeah, dude. The 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 secular media does not take time to cover Christian news most of the time. Right. You know, if you made it into secular newspapers and secular media outlets, you're doing something. For so, good reasons, not for the bad reasons. Right. So <laughs> I, I so I guess my effective challenge to the people uh, in this revival right now at Asbury University would be make sure you're you're keeping God first in all this. Make sure that the reason you're attending this thing isn't for some experience, isn't to isn't right. to elevate you in some way, but it is to give praise to God. Yeah. Humble yourselves before God. Do this for the right reasons because if this is the real deal, you guys are killing it, and I'm proud of you for being down there and being a part of this. And I hope and pray for the same thing to happen in our churches no matter where you are listening to this. Um, go be that effective change in your church. Amen. Sounds good. <laughs> right on. Uh, Y'all, thanks for listening. This is Salty Saints Podcast. If you've got questions for us, uh, get on our website at www.saltysaintspodcast.com. Send us a voicemail. Let us know your questions. We want to address your questions. We want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. And here's the deal. I've been saying this for like three podcasts, and I can see how many people listen to this podcast. 
and I'm pleased with those numbers. And I have yet to receive a voicemail since I've been sending this out. So I better get like at least three this time, or I'm going to be gravely disappointed in all y'all. Um, I'm just kidding. I won't be disappointed. I'll just cry a little, but it's fine. Um, send those out. We want to talk to you guys. We want to address your questions. Go check out our friends at lifeaudio.com. Check out their many, many podcasts. They've got lots of stuff on reading your Bible, on studying, on praying, on raising a family as Christians, all sorts of stuff. Uh, go check out Randy's podcast, Let's Find Out Together, reading through the Bible in a year. Good stuff. Love it. Um, and until next time, stay salty. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.